Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. To another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Got an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is to start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm your coach, Andre Howe. Man, Dre, we at it again, man. I think we've we've had a pretty uh, interesting season. We've kind of covered a lot of different um, perspectives on our season uh, this year. Uh, just excited to add another, uh, just another individual that I've had the pleasure of knowing for some time now. Um, former teammate of mine, Miami native, Don Cookman alum. He's actually an HBCU national champion, so we'll talk a little bit about that. MEAC conference champion, academic, all-American uh, academic selection, uh, former Arena League professional player, 10-time international champion. That's something else we really want to talk about. Certified mediator, trainer, business owner. He actually has a Master's of Dispute Resolution from Pepperdine University School of Law. He's currently working on his PhD, managing director of Wall Security LLC, and he's the owner of Wall walls dot prep and he's an author man i mean it's the, the, the wow. accolade just goes on bro so i'm just excited to bring my guy onto the platform jamal walls welcome to the podcast hey thanks thanks for having me man it's a pleasure Thank to you. have you pleasure to have you um on our platform our podcast mm-hmm. is really about just sharing stories and journeys of individuals that you know that have had experience in the sports industry um and wherever that may have t- taken them but been able to share their ups and their downs, their journeys to really go beyond the hype. So uh, we, we love to have individuals like yourself on the platform that use sports uh, to help them get to the next place in their lives and leverage that and continue to build. So, man, with that being said, Jamal, we just like to bring you on, you know, and start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about where you're from um, and what it was like for you growing up there. Yes, thank you so much once again for, you know, giving me the platform to speak. But, yeah, so I was born and raised in Opelika, Florida, um, you know, here in Miami, Florida. Um, I'm the middle of two other children. I got an older brother and a younger sister. So, you know, we pretty much grew up in, um, you know, some poverty conditions. But, you know, and nonetheless, it never stopped me from achieving what I wanted to achieve academically or in the sports. So, you know, I just started off young playing at Bunch Park, Um for the Cowboys. And, you know, back in the nineties, everybody was a Cowboys fan, Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, you know, Deion Sanders, everybody wanted to be a Cowboy. So, you know, that's just pretty much what led me to want to play football. And it just so happened that the team that, you know, I started off playing for was the Cowboys. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been a great journey thus far. So. So uh, when did you first start playing sports? Which sport did you play and who inspired you early on? Right. So um, I started playing in 1996. I was nine years old, so I didn't play peewee. I jumped right into 85 pound, you know, football. And for me, it was new. And I was inspired, like I said, by the Dallas Cowboys, because I grew up watching, you know, Emmitt Smith, you know, Michael Irvin and watching those type of guys. And, you know, it inspired me, and I asked my dad one day after watching a football game, I said, hey, could you sign me up for football? He was like, hey, you sure you want to play football? Like, <laughs> when you play football, you play football. You don't just go out there and, 
you know, just score a touchdown or run. You're going to get hit. You're going to get tackled. You know, it's a different game. But, you know, I was willing to play. So he signed me up for the first time. And, you know, I started off playing offensive line, defensive line when I was younger. And, you know, it just evolved over the years to something great. Man, so you talk about growing up in the 90s and being fans of Dallas, the Cowboys. I had so many team uh, young uh community members that were fans of the Cowboys, you know, the Dion, the Emmett, the Michael mm-hmm. Irvin. I couldn't stand it because being a Miami guy, I bled everything Miami. So, of course, right. our Dolphins wasn't always that good. Of course, Marino, you know, was around and he did his thing, but we never could get over the hump. So, you know, I I, I appreciated the the Cowboys, but I really didn't. Uh, I, I wasn't on that that type of bandwagon because I'm like, man, I'm this is hometown for me. And I love my Miami Dolphins, but, man, the Cowboys that time at that time, man, was – it was no bigger. It was no bigger stars on, 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 on in the NFL than those guys, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, with that being said, you know, you say you start off playing offensive line, defensive line. Uh, as you made your way through uh, the little league or, or Pop Warner, uh, talk about you know where you decided to go to high school and uh, a little bit about some of the guys you might have played with uh, uh, at your high school. Right. So um, I was going to at first I was going to go to Monsignor Pace High School, which was literally two minutes away from me where I, um, you know, live where we stayed at. But unfortunately, you know, from the financial side, my parents couldn't afford it. So I had to go to my home school, my district school, which was highly in Miami Lakes um, Senior High School. So I ended up going out there in the ninth grade and, you know, I was ready to play JV. I was ready to, you know, explore high school football and. It just so happened that when I got there, I performed to the point where I didn't play JV. They took me straight out to varsity. So here I am, ninth grade, 14 years old, you know, big time high school football, Jeff, because, you know, you played at Miami Northwestern. So, you know what time it is when you play under those lights. And it was like a shock for me, but it kind of grew me up fast in a sense. So it made me serious about football more, even more serious because I realized the stakes were higher. So, you know, just being in ninth grade, being on varsity, going straight into, you know, the the big time game, we playing against the Carroll cities and, you know, highly high, which was our big rival, you know, it was different. So Dre, let me give you just a little backstory on this. Just kind of, when you talk about Miami, there's some, there's some powerhouses some traditional powerhouses um, and eight and highly Miami lakes is, you know, they, they've kind of had guys that came out of there, different guys, whether it be Rohan, Davey, some of those other guys that went on to have success. But traditionally, they're not really like the the quote-unquote powerhouse because the guys from uh, Opelika may end up going to – if Pace – definitely Pace during that time uh, was was a powerhouse, so a lot of guys were going to a mm-hmm. private school called Monsignor Pace. That's where uh, Kayvon Webster went and mm-hmm. uh, Demarcus Van Dyke, those guys went there. Um, but – uh, if they don't, if they don't go there, they'll find their way either at Kara City or find their way at Central or Northwestern. So H, uh, HML typically, you know, really wasn't known for just having like a powerhouse. But just talk about some of those guys because I know the Armando Allens and uh, Thad Lewis. Just kind of talk about how you know what, what that was like, kind of you know playing with those guys and, and what you guys were able to do there. Right. So um, when those two guys came in, it was a game changer because just as you mentioned, you know. The previous years that I was there, we weren't that good. So we got a new coach that came in, and he brought in his quarterback, which was Thaddeus Lewis. And um, he came from Booker T. Washington High School. We had Armando Allen as well. So, you know, that 
span from 2003 to 2005, that's when we started winning games. So it was different. You know, we were able to actually run the football. We were actually able to pass the football with those two guys. And, you know, both of them went on later on to play in the NFL. You know, that is played almost seven or eight seasons as a quarterback, you know, even started a few games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Armando went on to play um, with Chicago, I believe it was. He played at the University of Notre Dame. And, you know, I think it was the Bears he played for as well. So, you know, it was different, you know, when we played and we went to the state final four that year and we eventually lost to the eventual state champion, which was Miami Killian. And they had some, you know, solid dudes. I'm talking mm -hmm. Demetrius Morley, who was the top safety almost in the state of Florida and Dwight Lee at running back. And uh, they had one of our former teammates, uh, Antoine Cox, playing corner. So, you know, they had some pretty stud, you know, good stud athletes. You know, we couldn't get over the hump. But playing with those guys and being a part of something special like that was, you know, one for the ages. Just something to remember. That that had a little stint at the, with the Texans, too, um, before okay. I got there. But he had a little stint at the Texans. Um, that, man, he found a way to stick around, man. He had some great opportunities started. Buffalo, he did good. I actually mm -hmm. ran into him. We we played, we scrimmaged them in San Francisco uh, my first year and uh, just had the opportunity. He was just coming off of, well, he was injured, but had the opportunity to talk with him, man. Just, he was able to stick around, man. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm always proud to see guys take advantage of like opportunities that necessarily, because he didn't have the height, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have the size, you know, mm -hmm. typically to kind of play that position, but he found a way to stick around. Yeah, he was, he had a great work ethic. You know, one thing about him, he was definitely a film guy and he definitely was an after hours guy. So he stood around the facility and, you know, he made it happen. So, you know, like I said, when we was there, he made us better because we didn't have that kind of caliber quarterback or, you know, running back system, um, you know, when we played. So they, they definitely did some different things and then it eventually led to, you know, some professional contracts. So just thankful for that. Well, talk about your recruiting process and did you have any offers? Yeah, so recruiting for me was a little different than it was for a lot of um, other kids. Um, as I mentioned, so when our coach came in to Hialeah and Miami Lakes, um, he was not big on guys really going on to the next level. It was more of a system. You come in, you make plays, and you play accordingly, and then after that, that was it. So for me, um, I took the untraditional route. I didn't have any offers, and if I did, you know, at the time – our coach, he was throwing, he was actually throwing away um, our college offers and actually turning away scouts. Wow. And um, eventually I wrote a book about it. It's called Life After Lakes, A Dream Deprived. And um, the book is actually on Amazon. You could download it um, through the Kindle app or you could purchase it and download it to your you know, software, smartphone. But I actually wrote a story about that. And, um, you know, it was difficult for us because a lot of guys could have really played the game at the next level when it came to division one college or division two, or just at any level. But there was just a philosophy of, you know, come in, you know, help us win. And then when it's over with, you know, they kind of push us to the side. So it was something for me that fueled me to, you know, get myself prepared to say, Hey, like, I know I've earned everything I can earn in this game of football. So, if it's up to me, I'm going to keep going, you know, regardless of what this coach says or what he believes. So, you know, that that's led me to walking on at Bethune-Cookman. Right, right. Before we get there, like, that's interesting because coaches, you know, ideally they like to, you know, help the kids go on to the next level because it looks – it helps them. It looks good for them, mm -hmm. you know, to have kids highly recruited, to have kids 
going on to the next level. But in all, in most cases, you know, you have coaches that have their favorites or certain guys that they're trying to push. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, man, just kind of hear that, man, that's so disappointing. But talk about after graduation, you had no offers. Talk about, you know, what was what was that like before leading you up to uh, uh, arriving at Bethune Cookman University? Right. So pretty much after um, that recruiting phase was over with, you know, that was a class of 2005. So I just pretty much buckled down and said, hey, look, for the next year, I think I'm going to just do some research. I'm going to find out some things that I need to find out so I can walk on at a university. So, you know, I had to figure out how how was I going to do it? So taking the ACT, because, you know, we didn't get coaching on taking the ACT or the SAT. So that's something I had to look forward to. Um, the NCAA Clearinghouse, that was something that I had to study as well and find out what eligibility, the core GPA, just different things that, you know, we weren't taught. And like I said, for me, I was first generation everything. So it was like no one was guiding me to get to that next level of understanding in that aspect. So I took a year off. I was working at a local Wendy's that was um, near my school, my old school after I graduated. I worked there for a year. And during the time, I was, my shift was 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And I was doing this three days a week, you know, getting paid bi-weekly. But in the midst of that, I was still training. You know, I was still going to the gym every evening. I was still going to the track running. I was still preparing myself as if I was in season, but I wasn't playing yet. So, you know, whatever opportunity that I would get, I would be able to, you know, hit it head on. Well, talk about your experience walking on the football team. Right. So when I walked on at Bethune-Cookman, um, I actually came out there maybe two weeks before school has started. And um, I went out there and watched the practice. And I, you know, I just remember guys always saying, even the coaches, like, you know, when you play Division One or 1AA football, you know, it's a different demon. You know, you get out there and you got big, fast, strong guys. You know, you got guys that are, you know, highly recruited coming out of the air. These are three-star and four-star athletes. So I wanted to see what the hype was. I said, okay, well, I know I played in Miami-Dade County and I played some of the, you know, against the best of the best. So there's no way they could tell me I can't play against, you know, these 1AA or 1A kids. So, you know, I went out to practice and I was watching – and I just told myself, I know I could do this. So, you know, at the time, um, I believe it was Coach Ross. I believe it was Coach Ross and Coach um, Mark Lippins. They were in charge of recruiting. And um, I walked to the office and I was just telling them, you know, hey, I was a new student at the school and I was looking forward to walking on. So they told me to give them the pin code to the, you know, uh, clearinghouse and they would check and see if I was eligible. And, you know, I just remember having that itch and feeling like, wow, like, I can't wait until I'm clear because I know, like, if I walk on out here, I'm going to make the team. So, you know, I was just, you know, I was ecstatic when I got to put them cook, man. So your recruit, your walk-on process, because, again, for like, for me, same, same, similar story, you know, eligibility, not sure uh, what it took to be eligible to go right into college and play. So I had to go and sit out a semester, sit out a year and then walk on at Bethune-Cookman as well. So mm-hmm. I remember uh, you coming out for the team. And, of course, you know, guys that, that that's on the team is always, you know, it's always that challenge when you have guys walking on. But uh, it was always a competitive environment. So I can remember, mm-hmm. you know, you coming on and, and having the opportunity to, to walk onto the team and wreaking havoc, right? Cause, because, mm-hmm. again, you got guys that have scholarships, guys that, you know, that have, that have kind of, been fortunate enough to kind of come in day one and have that kind of laid out for him. So when you came in, 
and was shaking it up, man. It was almost like, you know, it, 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 be, it kind of became this thing. Like, man, this guy is serious. He's a weight room guy. He wasn't talking much. You know, guy, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, you know, they almost was like, you know, calling you like Debo because you was a weight room beast. You know, right. talk about just the opportunity of finally getting out on that field, showing what you can do, and then, you know, having the opportunity for uh, Coach Wyatt to kind of believe in you. Right. So when I came out there, you know, I just noticed, I said, look, you know, I, like I said, I played defense a lot all my life. So if it was any way I was going to make the team, I had to show them that, you know, I could get off blocks. I would be able to, you know, stuff the hole. I would be able to get to the quarterback. So when I'm, I get over there, you know, he was like, okay, the, here's the first day of practice. They, you know, I go to the equipment room, they fill out my equipment, you know, I'm eligible now. So now I got a chance to prove you know, who I am. So I get out there and some of the guys I was going against was uh big Ruben Mordecai, yeah. uh, him, Deron Barnes, some of those guys, big Robert Williams, RIP, yeah. you know, and just going against some of these guys in practice and especially, you know, with Deron Barnes because he was the center and I was playing nose guard. So I was just telling myself every day, like, yo, you got to get off this football. You got to get off this football. Like, don't let them block you. Don't let them drive you off this ball. Like, show these coaches you can shed a block and make a play. So my mentality when I was in class all day was I'm just, like, picturing practice. Like, I'm just picturing what I'm going to do in practice. So when I got out there, you know, I was able to just take that aggression and just apply it. And Coach Wyatt, he just started noticing. He said, yo, that kid Walls, he was like, man, he's something serious. And so now that I feel like I'm getting accolades from the head, man, it's giving me even more, you know, even more confidence. I'm like, now I got his eyes. So now I'm going to continue to make plays. So, you know, the weeks went along and it was the third week and I was getting ready to go to a scout team. And he was like, no, 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 no. Come here. Come here. Come here. Take that off. I want you to come over here. And he started putting me on special teams. And it was crazy because the first game, you know, here I am just walked on three weeks ago, but week four of the season. I'm getting ready to travel with the team to go play Morgan State. So, you know, it was a blessing in that right to just be able to go out there, perform, and just go from being a walk-on who not supposed to be playing to now you're actually, like, in the lineup. You're going to play. You got you got a jersey. So I just remember calling my parents and telling them, like, hey, like, I'm traveling this week. And they were like, man, you know, like, we proud of you. You know, good job. And, you know, my dad just telling me, Take care, you know, take care of what you got to take out on the field and just take advantage of your, you know, your opportunity. Man, just again, relating to that, because we know how, you know, fortunate you uh, we would be as a walk on to be able to have the opportunity because it's not it was not guaranteed. No one knew who we were. You know what I mean? And then come out and to kind of make a name for yourself. Uh, but on top of that, being from a HBCU provided opportunities like this, because a coach like I'll speak of a coach like Alvin Wyatt, who if he see that you are willing to put it on the line and you have the ability, mm-hmm. he he's not gonna, you know, hide anything else or try to try to hide you. Um, right. I can remember me walking on and you know again one on ones with DBs and guys that's highly recruited and guys that got NFL opportunity. When I start putting it on them, coach yeah. would he would he would come put that spotlight. Come on, let's you know and and encourage you and give you that confidence. So man, like mm-hmm. I definitely have to just recognize him because. It didn't matter where you came from. If you can get in and you can do it between those lines, he was going to give you that opportunity. Right. And, that you know, that's why I, I, you know, I thank God for Coach White because, you know, just like I said, that season of my life and what I had just dealt with, you know, I was looking for the next best opportunity. And, you know, at that time, their defense was stacked. They had Torian Charles, Dennis King, Ramon McCullough, 
Josh Balloon, you know, these are some big time, you know, these guys were big time recruits. And I just felt like it was an honor just to even be on the same defense with them to even be considered to, you know, even play behind one of these guys. So, you know, it was, it was, it was different for me, but like I say, it made, it gave me that hunger for more. <clears throat> well, talk about your individual and team success during your time at Bethune-Cookman. Speak on the success one coach. I mean, once coach Jenkins arrived, conference championship, APU national championship, et cetera. Right. So <laughs> coach Jenkins, when he came, for me, I, it was a transition part of my life because at the time, that's when I had my two, uh, my twins. They were just born, and at the time, they were born premature. So here I am, a new coach, you know, don't know me from a can of paint. You know, I'm getting ready to have two children, and then they're premature. So, like, the emotions was everywhere. You know, I was telling myself, you know, if a coach come in, he might not accept the fact that, you know, here's a guy who is on scholarship and who's fighting, but, you know, he got some issues that he had to deal with. And, you know, he actually was more than, you know, more than accepting to that. So, you know, he gave me the spring to not only perform and show that I belong, but, you know, I had to show him who I was also as a, you know, a father first and as a man, and he respected it. So, you know, going into the summer, I, I didn't make any excuses. I still trained. I still was out there with the team. You know, but my schedule was just different because once those activities was over with, I was going straight home to be a parent. And he was more than, you know, accepting of that. And, you know, during the season, it grew me up because I knew I had some kids that I was playing for, you know, a legacy that I was playing for. And I got a coach who come from a Division One program who understand football. So, you know, once those things and all those, you know, those uh, characteristics kicked into play, it was downhill from there. Like the season went so smooth and he just gave me the opportunity to continue to be a starter. You know, I still started, still played, still made plays. And, you know, like um, Jeff mentioned, I became an academic All-American because I was always serious in the classroom because I always felt like, you know, if you could do it academically, there's nothing else they could tell you because after the game of football is over with, you know, this is something that you're going to need and this is what's going to continue to open the door. So, you know, end up becoming an all selection for um, academics. And then, you know, that year we won the HBCU national championship, Harris Pole number one, uh, MEAC championship. And, you know, it was just different. That senior year was, you know, it was a, it was big time, you know, playing on ESPNU almost every week. We had like six or seven games on ESPNU. So it was like, you know, it's just like a dream come true. You know, here you go walk on. One, you know, one year, but then here you go in year four, you know, you plan on national TV and you're a national champion and, you know, the list goes on. I mean, I can remember watching it and I've had um, several of your uh, fellow, our fellow teammates on the platform. And I can remember watching you guys and how dominant you guys was. It was almost like, man, like so proud because I seen all you guys come through the process and dominating playing on esp and i you know i was i was jealous in a way like man i wish i had the opportunity but you guys right. took that spotlight and ran with it so as i as as i mentioned several of your guys and teams i've had that went on and played at the nfl level you talk about ryan davis and gene Fenor, ryan lewis all these guys had that opportunity were you thinking at that time you know man we're playing so well you know i have the possibility of playing at the next level Right. So, yeah, that defense was stacked. I mean, we had Reggie Sanderlands, that linebacker, Ryan Lewis, um, you know, Mr. Pick Six. We had, 
you know, some some studs. Like, we really – like, our defense was dominant. Like, we were scoring touchdowns on defense. Like, the offense was doing their thing, but defense, like, those guys really held it down. Gene Fenor, uh, we had Michael Williams at safety as well. So, you know, it our defense was stacked. And, you know, all those guys – went on to get a chance to play in the NFL or go to a mini camp or something just pertaining to the next level. And, you know, those guys, they played the game different. They played with a grudge on their shoulder, you know, every week. And, you know, um, Ryan and Reggie, they came in and they sat behind, I think it was Josh Balloon and some of the other linebackers that was before them, but they was itching to play. So when they got their opportunity it was just down here. You know, I played next to Dexter Jackson as well, who was an all-MEAC defensive tackle. Yes, sir. And, you know, just to play with those guys, it was different. You know, everybody earned it. You know, Dex went on to play almost eight or nine seasons in the AFL and was a very dominant player, you know. And, you know, Gene Fenor as well, he was, you know, another guy like a pound-for-pound weight room, yes. you know, very humble, you know, guy. Like, he worked hard. Mike Williams, weight room guy, film guy. Excellent athlete, you know. Probably one of the best athletes I've seen, bro. Hands yes. on. If it wasn't for injuries, mm-hmm. he definitely would have made money in the NFL being about 6'2 and a half, 215 pounds. Solid. Chiseled, fast, can run. Bro, if he wasn't the guy hurt, he definitely would have made him some money in the NFL. Easy. Yeah. And it was crazy because me and Mike, we was real tight off the field. So, like, um, at my house, I used to have a den. And I turned the whole den into, like, a weight room. So, we go work out, you know, with the team. We go to dinner and then like nine or 10 o'clock at night, here we go at my house because I was like right across the street from the school and we in a bench pressing and got the music playing and watching videos and stuff. But, you know, it was just those kind of nights that, you know, were reminiscent of the plays that were made on the field. You know, this is why he was making those kind of plays. This is why I was stuffing the run. And that's something that Coach Wyatt fell in love with. So that boy could stuff a run. He could stuff the run. And it made it, it made it easy for our linebackers to flow because those years they had almost a hundred tackles. They, they were all me at selections, you know, defensive player of the year, you know, nominees, like they did their thing out there. So it was just a blessing just to play. And like I say, for all of them to go on and, get a professional stint somewhere was just an honor because it was, you know, it, it's something that, you know, was really destined for all of them. <clears throat> so after graduation, where did the football lead you? Right. So um, after graduation, I graduated from Bethune in May 2012 with my bachelor's um, in criminal justice. So right after that, maybe a month and a half after that, I ended up signing my first arena contract. I was playing in the Lone Star Football League for the uh, Rio Grande Valley Magic. So, you know, I had just graduated and here I go signing my first arena pro contract and played with them for like they were already in season. So I came with like seven games left in the season plus the playoffs. We end up going to the championship game my first year. Uh, We end up losing to the eventual champion, the Amarillo Venom. But, you know, it was just a great experience, but it gave me the hunger for more. the following season, I end up signing with the Columbus Lions, and I think that's where life really turned because I end up suffering a torn ACL and a broken fibula in the first day of practice. So that's something that kind of like set me back. And at the time, I was 26 years old, and you know the facilities with arena teams aren't like how the NFL or the CFL are. So you know, pretty much you get one of those injuries, it's looked at as man, this might be career threatening if you don't get the right, you know treatment, the right rehabilitation. So I ended up missing an entire season 
And, you know, it was devastating at the time. It was devastating at the time because I had put so much work into, you know, getting there. And I had told myself now that I've graduated, you know, I got a clean slate to just think about football. But then, you know, you get that kind of setback in it, you know, it just kind of made me revisit some other things. So as you mentioned, kind of, you know, you had the opportunity to play, um, you know, and then uh, the Lone Star football then with Columbus. Kind of talk about, you know, ultimately, uh, did you play any more years uh, uh, with the, um, the Arena League? And uh, what was that opportunity? How did the opportunity present itself um, as it relates to the international football? Right. So um, after Columbus, um, I spent another season rehabilitating. So 2015, I went back into the Arena League and I played actually a full season. And this time it was still in uh, Rio Grande Valley, but this time it was with the Soul. And that was the X League at the time. And um, I ended up playing there. And then um, 2016, I didn't play at all. And then 2017, I ended up getting drafted into the Rivals Professional Football League on the RFPL. So I played there an entire season. Um, top defensive lineman led the league with 14 and a half tackles for a loss. And that's pretty much, that pretty much like got my gears back grinding and got me back into like the flow of football. And, um, I ended up playing there for a season. And then the next season, um, I was going to sign with arena, but I didn't. So that's when I got into international play. Um, I started playing with team America, which is out of East preps. And, um, this guy, he's also the owner of the FCS bowl and the Tropical Bowl for um, Division One athletes. So it's, you know, like a high school to pro pipeline. So we started traveling internationally, playing from, you know, South Beach, Florida, down here to Toronto, and then down in Cancun, Mexico, and then down in San Jose, Costa Rica, and just playing, you know, around Robin, you know, a season four games every year. And I had started doing that since 2019. I'm still doing that to this day. And it's just been a blessing. You know, I was fortunate to win 10 of those bowl games, only lost one of them. Um, you know, just seeing the world from a different perspective, playing football on different soil where football is not, you know, countries where football is not their first preference. Right. And we come from America where football is the pillar of sports. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to go to other countries and be able to play the game is different. And, it's, you know, it's been a blessing and it's been like an eye opener just to see life, you know, from a different perspective and, you know, how you're looked at in other countries when it comes to this game of football. So, you know, it was different, but it's a blessing. You're talking about a kid that's from uh, Opelika, Miami, inner city, being able to travel the world, playing football, doing something mm-hmm. you love. And like you said, it's opening your 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 exposing you to things. I, one thing I like to say is ex, uh, exposure lead to expansion, right? A lot of times we know right. people that never left their block, right? Never left their community or within that that radius in which they, they they operate. But being able to see life from a different perspective, man, it just really opened the world up to you. So I can just imagine just the 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 the, the type of opportunity and the type of uh, you know thought process that you have to be able to experience these different things and playing and still the game that you love at that level, right? Yeah, you know, definitely, you know, like you mentioned, like being from Opalaka and, you know, growing up the way we did. And like I said, we did grow up rough, but, you know, my parents eventually made the adjustment and, you know, just pillars in the community now, you know, just with their testimonies of where they've been and, you know, where it led us. And, you know, like I say, when I'm on these flights and, you know, I get off and I'm on, you know, I'm in Canada, like it's different. Like, wow, like how did how do we get here? 
And when you're in Costa Rica and they not they don't speak, you know, English is not their first language, but they realize what you're there for. And, you know, you're there to play football. So it's different, you know, different kind of kids, a different kind of fan base. You know, it, it, it's definitely a culture shock and it's definitely a blessing. Walk us through the transition from playing professionally to entering the workforce. Definitely. So, you know, just as I mentioned with the academics, like I've always know, like, you know, football is not going to last forever. And there's just a lot of things that I became interested in. And, you know, the law was one of them. So, you know, I end up, like I said, graduating with my bachelor's from Bethune-Cookman. And I also end up getting my master's in criminal justice administration from Bethune-Cookman. And, you know, I always tell myself that I will always love to open up like a professional security firm, an agency to, you know, staff security in different places. Because, you know, sometimes when you hear about security, people think like, oh, there's this guy, six foot seven, 300 pounds with, you know, a tight shirt on that says security going across the chest. And, you know, it's much deeper than that when you get into the philosophy of security and, you know, the world we live in now, how you need protection. So, you know, I always want to be a part of that and be able to staff, you know, different people with, you know, security solutions. And that's just one of the businesses. And, um, you know, also mediation. I went to the uh, Pepperdine School of Law, uh, the Strauss Institute for Dispute Resolution. Um, I ended up getting my master's from them as well um, in mediation and arbitration. You know, I got my own mediation and arbitration practice as well. Um, it's something that's growing daily, something that's expanding. And, you know, we need more peacemakers in the world you know, solving disputes, everything can't go to litigation, you know, harsh reality, everybody can't afford an attorney. Right. And, you know, just being able to be for the community and, you know, coming from where I come from, I realize conflict and the different things that take place on a daily basis that, you know, sometimes poverty, you know, conditions don't allow for people to get the results that they're looking for with the court system. So, that also led me to Walls Doc Prep, which is a legal document preparation, you know, um, business I run as well for pro se litigants, you know, pro se meaning, you know, you're self-represented and, you know, just opening those doors for people with, you know, post-criminal conviction, you know, you want your records sealed or expunged, you know, different things from our community. Cause you know, like I said, I grew up and I knew the guys that I grew up around and the different families that are affected by a lot of these conditions, but sometimes you're just not fortunate to be able to afford it financially, but where there's a will, there's a way. And if you got somebody that's going to help you, you know, facilitate these documents and, you know, just get these things in place, it, it empowered me to want to empower my community. So I became business minded, not only with football, but as a person as well, and just trying to take my education to the next level. So that way I'm able to teach others and, you know, open the door for others because the best gift you can give to anybody is teaching them something. Yeah. You know, we can always say, what can I get for you? What can I give? But to teach somebody something that's going to stick and that's going to continue to grow, that just gave me that business, you know, mentality. And it just helped me, you know, want to expand business even more everywhere. And wherever I can help, you know, I can help. I think as you talk about academics, and I think one thing that we did establish too, uh, while we was in school at, at, at Bethune, a lot of us, because we had quite a bit of walk-ons, guys who knew that they had to take care of business in the classroom. I think we kind of set a standard where a lot of uh, our teammates and guys, as you mentioned, Adexa Jackson, Jackson, who was also an academic, you know, mm -hmm. uh, guy who did well. And, you know, so many guys that kind of blazed the trail, myself, graduating early, picking up, getting, getting me a, a minor, you know, doing those different things. Like, you know, 
But understanding from a walk-on perspective, man, education, you know, we can't take it for granted because we had to pay our way to school before we got a scholarship. Right. So understanding that, that just kept us focused on making sure we take care of our schoolwork and we weren't just focusing on sports. But I know as of, you know, you mentioned you got your master's uh, uh, from Cookman and then you went on to Pepperdine School of Law. Just kind of talk about your recent academic and now even working on your Ph.D. What was the inspiration behind that of saying, I need to go and get these different uh, certifications or accolades? Like what, what, what was the inspiration behind it? Right. So I realized, you know, just doing study and, you know, titles don't mean anything but credentials. You know, people seeing that you're accredited, you're an accredited source. And a lot of times, you know, in the law game you don't see like there's not really a big time representation of like African-Americans. So it's kind of different. So when you're putting these credentials and you put in these accreditations before your name, it kind of makes people wonder, okay, who is that? You know? And then they find out, Oh, he played football too. So, you know, there's a correlation of saying he's not just an athlete, but this is someone who's a scholar as well. So, you know, when you're going out there, you want them to put some respect on your name, you know, and when you go out there and you're talking to these different, you know, at Pepperdine, you're so fortunate to learn from international and domestic like lawyers, arbitrators, you know, international mediators, judges, former judges, former attorneys. And when you look and you talk to them, they're just like us. You know, they're just like us. They just have a little more knowledge. So I just look at it. If they can do it, why can't I? You know, why can't I do it? And then why can't I teach others to do it? You know, so it's just like the gift that just, you know, pretty much keeps on giving. So when I go out there and I get these certifications, you know, I'm going to someone's class and I'm going to learn. And once I learn, I want to be able to teach someone else that. So, you know, even with the Ph.D., like family studies has been something that's always, you know, intrigued me, you know, just learning about the home and learning about childhood experiences and how they affect us on a daily basis, how they affect our mindsets. You know, how do we make decisions, our financial literacy, just so many different things that, you know, we might be dis, you know, disproportionately, you know, not at advantage as other you know, communities, but once you learn it and once I want to learn it, I want to teach it to other people. So to keep learning and getting those credentials, you know, it's not about the title, but it's about like, you know, helping and what I can do with it. So when they come research, you know, a year from now, Dr. Jamal Marius Wall senior, they can say, yeah, he, you know, he know what he's talking about. You know, he, he been around the block a couple of times. Not only that, but the example you said for your kids too, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like you said, where we come from, you know, you was fortunate to have, you know, both parents, you know what I mean? I grew up single parent, but mm -hmm. so much of our upbringing and I'm learning so much about that as an adult and being in a, the mental health space and different things like that, like growing up and the experiences you have shape, shape you, shape you as an adult, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. being able to understand that dynamic, not only to help other families kind of go through that, but also be able to tailor the way you raise your kids and right. what type of lasting impact that have on that, man. So that's tremendous that you're doing that and, and bringing that type of light to the community. Because another, another thing we talk about on the podcast is really that um, mental health space and understanding because we, we just so talk as black men, you don't cry, don't show your emotion. Yeah. Right. You, you suck it up, you know, but that, that, that is not bold well for us as we make those transition into the workspace, as we make that transition into dealing with different, you know, different other races and things like that is just, you know, being emotionally stable, emotionally sound can take us so far 
And it, again, it can help our kids and those that's coming after us as well. So I, I commend you on that. That's amazing. Right. And that's why, you know, with family law, that's like my top, you know, practice. Like I love dealing with families. And just as you mentioned, you know, the emotions of things. And, you know, a lot of times, especially for, you know, the males, for the fathers, you know, they come to court and say, oh, I can't do nothing. Oh, I'm going on child support. I'm going. And it's just like once you learn your rights, we all got due process. Once you learn your rights, once you learn what you can do and what you cannot do, you use it to your advantage. And that's why I say like the gift of teaching that to other people to say, hey, look, you got just as much rights as she has, or she has just as much rights as you have. So let's make it work. Let's follow the law. Let's go under the laws. You know, let's figure out what we can do and let's make it because we have to stop passing down to our children the trauma. Like we're not passing down inheritance. We're passing down trauma that was never corrected. We're passing down, you know, we're passing down the divorce. We're passing down, you know, these different things that they shouldn't be inheriting. And it makes it harder on them to succeed when they have to play off of what we did correct. So, you know, just coming in as a family law mediator, and like I say, helping out pro se litigants, for me, it's the gift of trying to help these families become one again. You know, even if you move on, things then, hey, things don't work out all the time. But at the same time, let's put ourselves in the best position for our kids to be able to, you know, be the best that they can be because they're going to be parents one day. They're going to be husbands. They're going to be wives. They're going to have children. So, you know, it's just something to think about. By far, definitely be your greatest investment for sure. Man. Um, so talk, talk about your business and uh, what you do today. Yeah. So my business, um, like I say, we, I run three businesses. So it's, some days I'm just gas. I'm just exhausted. But, you know, um, I was fortunate enough with wall security to, um, be partner with um, my lady, uh, Shanika Regis. You know, she helps me run the day to day ops, you know, operations and taking care of payroll and different things. And, you know, we're just making it work. You know, um, she was already a business owner, been in the skincare business for about eight years now. So she's pretty much, you know, teaching me in this business world because, you know, this was my first business. So, I'm learning a lot as we go, you know, daily operations every day is something different, you know, rather you're dealing with an employee, a client, whatever, it's just something different, you know, every day. But, um, you know, still got to balance that out with school, still got to balance that out with parenthood. So, you know, it's just trying to make it work, you know. So you added author to your to your resume. Mm -hmm. You kind of briefly talked a little bit about the book. Can you kind of tell us a little bit uh, again, the title and more so about the premise of the book. Right. So um, Life After Lakes, A Dream Deprived was actually written by me and another walk-on who played with us, Ricky Richards. Um, he, Yeah, we, we, we wrote this book back in 2015. And it basically talked about, you know, us growing up in Opalaka and the school that we went to and then the hardships that we had to, you know, deal with when it came to trying to live, to play the game of football and then also at the same time, you know, we're chasing a dream, but at the same time, some of the conditions we had to go back to. And then it also gives, you know, a depiction of, you know, like I mentioned earlier with the coach, where, you know, throwing stuff in the garbage and turning scouts away and stuff and how that affect us. So um, you can actually check the book out. Like I say, it's on Amazon, Life After Lakes, A Dream Deprived. Um, it's an ebook. You can download it to your tablet. You know, if you have an iPhone, whatever you could, you know, download it, but it's a great read. So, you know, it just gives that inspiration to other kids that, Hey, look, in the midst of all these situations and, you know, circumstances, you can still go on 
you know, you could still go on to be the best version of yourself. So it's something, you know, if anybody want to check out Life After Lakes of Dream Deprived. Definitely check that out, man. Definitely check that out. I'm definitely going to check that out myself as well. What is, what is your ultimate goal? Uh, ultimate goal at the end of the day is just to have um, these businesses set up, you know, for my children so I could teach them and, you know, to be, you know, a, a, a pioneer in the community, you know, and just be able to, you know, people when they hear walls, when they hear Jamal walls, for them to know that that's a person that loves to help. That's a person who's for the community, who's for the people. And, you know, just let them know, like, hey, look, those conditions that I came from, I want every child to know, look, no matter what happened to you in your childhood, no matter what happened to you with your coach, no matter what happens, even in your adulthood, you still got a chance to get it right. Like, you still can redeem yourself. You know, I took my master. I graduated with my bachelor's when I was 23, but I didn't go back and get my master's until I was 32. And, you know, just that time period, like I tell people, it's like you didn't give up. You had interruptions, but you didn't give up. So a lot of times in life, we're going to have those interruptions, but it's up to us to continue and to fight. So if I could do it, I know you can do it. And if you can't do it, I help you the best way I can. So, you know, I just want to leave my mark as a helper, a teacher, a motivator, and somebody who you can just look at one day and say, hey, like he never gave up. Man, I'm so proud of just your experience and being able to share, um, you know, what you went through, because I, what I've learned and had the opportunity to obviously be at a high level in the, in the game of football. I, I saw that, you know, there's a lot of guys that just needed a little more information, or a little mm-hmm. more resources um, that would have probably potentially gave them a better shot at making it, you know, longer or having that good transition after the game was over. So being able to share information with individuals and reach the kids early so that they can have this information and knowledge as they put themselves in position, man, I think that ultimately doing that service, man, I think that we can touch more lives than we can even imagine. So, man, I'm proud of you. I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. It's an unbelievable story. Uh, It's actually believable because you did it and being able to share that before us, man, and and with the younger kids coming behind us, I definitely am inspired. Um, to share this so that others, individuals coming out, coming down our path of where we's from, or then the type of environment we're from, that this can be inspiration to them. Dre, you got any other questions for him? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. You, you just inspired me, man. I'm, 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 I'm kind of going there right now, trying to like, what, what's next to me? Like after football, like what's next to me? Like you, you just inspired me, but like you, you, you did a good job, bro. You did a great job, but like just take taking to the next level, like just doing something else other than football. Like that, that's that's what I'm right, right, right now, trying to find out what, 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 what's next other than football. So that, that's 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 what that's what I'm right now. So you did a good job with that, bro. So I really appreciate you being on the show and talking to us about that, bro. Appreciate it. Definitely. Thank you. All right. And like that said, man, another great episode down. Make sure you like, subscribe, and follow us. I will appreciate you until next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, love. All my life. Been grinding all my life. Pay the price, wanna slice, got to roll the dice, that's why Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.